This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Bringing home a new furry family member is a joyful and heartwarming experience, but it also comes with great responsibility. So top on our list of priorities as a quote-unquote parent is to ensure our pet's health, happiness and well-being. So today on the show, I'm joined by veterinarians Dr. Lee Y.Y. and also Dr. Yap Boon Kai. Dr. Lee is the founder of Pet Medic and she's also a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic. And Dr. Yap is a veterinarian with Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. So they are joining me to give us an A to Z of all we need to know as a pet owner, especially as a new one, from keeping our pets active and engaged to understanding preventive care, vaccinations and common health issues, among others. They've got us covered. Welcome, both of you. How are you today? Hello, Hello. good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Lovely to have you both on the show with me today. So yes, a topic that's really close to my heart, you know, pet ownership and responsible pet ownership, right? So I think today's show, this of course is of the first of a two-part episode that we're going to be doing. Uh, about pets. So today we want to focus on these new pets, right? Getting a new pet and, you know, thinking about getting a pet. So I thought we can start off with by, you know, just sort of thinking about, you know, ourselves, right? As a potential pet owner, what should we consider when choosing the right pet for our particular lifestyle, for example? Mm. Dr. Yap, you want to go first? Right. I would say that um, very importantly is the time commitment and the financial things that you have to consider. So a lot of times my friend asked me like when I want to get a pet, then I'll go for a very direct, a little bit crude way, like say like, do you have enough money? <laughs> yes. Do you have enough time? Do you have enough time after your children, your husband, your hectic work? Because having a pet is, we could call it like a fur kid. Mm. So it's our son, our, our children. So they need time, affection and financially you need to be prepared. Um, very minimally, you need to have the medical bill, vaccination, flea ticks prevention, food bill, and all these things you have to cover. Regardless, we are looking at um, grooming fees and then enhancement of their life and those sort of things that we, we need to be prepared from that angle, mm-hmm. that issues. Definitely. On top of yeah. what Dr. Yap has mentioning, I think it's also very important uh, choosing a pet for your own lifestyle, considering the factor like your living space, your activity level, and then to match our allergies mm-hmm. of your yourself and your family, and then match the pet's energy and care requirement with your daily routine. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when the pet comes in, you want them to be your family member that uh, you can work along and play along with your routine. The little disturb to your uh, routine, the better it is. Okay, That's right. totally agreeable because I have a case would like to share with you. Like I have a parrot patient that come in, literally turned bored. Oh no. Real self hair plucking. And then this is a sign of depression. So it's like depressed hate, drop wings. So we spend half an hour playing, literally playing in the consultation room. Then we use whatever instrument to cheer up. And half an hour later, she lift up the head. And we diagnose that the birds is not enough, having not enough attention by the owner. Mm-hmm. That's why lifestyle is very, very important and time to spend together with them. Yeah, yeah. and th- that affection goes both ways, right? Because we expect, oh yes, the pets are going to love us, but if we don't reciprocate that, we are going to have depressed pets on our hands. Totally and, agree. And, yeah. and and you know, unhealthy. And vice versa. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And kind of focusing on on like small pets and pets that we keep at home, right? And would you say like let's focus on let's say dogs and cats, for example? So a lot of us, you know. We're not sure whether we should buy an adult uh, pet or, or a puppy or a kitten, right? Would you say there are any sort of considerations when thinking about things like that? I think just seeing whatever that we told just now about their habits, puppies and kittens definitely have a lot more energy compared to adult and older pets. Mm-hmm. So you have to really spend more time playing with them, exercise them, um, and then whether your home space is good enough for let them play. Yeah. Say, for example, cat, if you only have a small area, it's fine, but you probably need to build some rags and some jumping spots for them. For dogs, you probably need to run them if you're staying at the condo. Mm -hmm. So to reduce the stress level and with that, it will reduce the disturbance uh, of them to you. Otherwise, when they want to get attention, they will pee all over the place. They will bite and scratch all your furniture and you do not want that. Mm -hmm. So once that 
not happening, if those are being taken care of properly, the stress level is down, they will live uh, very harmoniously with the family members. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, so, I mean, once we've decided and, you know, we've, we've done we've done it, we've got our pet, uh, we want to prepare. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, prepare our homes, get everything ready, right? I think, you know, sometimes we forget that there are some things that are not safe for pets, right, that we have yeah. in our household, right? Any common household items, for example, that might be toxic to pets or things that we must consider, you know, when bringing a pet into our home. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Yap, you want to go first? Well, that is a big topic. I can talk about hours and hours <laughs> of that. Right. But we pick up a few comments one and then um, I will try to share with you some experience of mine a lot of times we don't know that flowers certain flowers certain plants are toxic to pets lily flowers are pretty toxic to cats so to those cats owners at home please uh, do not have any lily flowers and as usual we know the cleaning products we know all this uh, fertilizer pesticide we'll need to keep them aside they are poison to animal more commonly we see is medicine human medicine self-medicating or accident consuming i have one really catastrophic case where is a nightmare to us. This two years old mischievous puppy, he literally consumed the entire bottle of multivitamin of the owners, oh no. which is 200 tablet. And owner presented to us three days later with literally kidney failure, liver failure. And we can't do much of that because 200 tablet of the multivitamin of human dose already absorbed into the system. Oh so, gosh, um, and the dog passed away. So yeah. this is one some of the things that we in and out see daily. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is paracetamol, very common, ibuprofen, our painkiller. So sometimes we get really frustrated. It's like, doctor, my dog is sick, uh, having diarrhea, having vomit, and what other things? And then, and lastly, they add in one more thing. I give two tablets of Panadol yesterday, yeah? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that add-on our another problem list. So this is poisonous to them. Mm. So as usual, like chocolate, we a lot of us notice that chocolate is not good for, for dogs. Then we have uh, this, grapes is very bad. Yes, yes. A grape is poison to dogs. Please do not feed any grapes to the dogs. That inclusive raisin and wine. Okay, talk Ayyoh, about I don't wine. even think about Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, and talk about <laughs> wine. I have another case. Every time the dog annual check of blood, liver enzyme elevated. So investigate, talk with the owner, investigate. Oh, every night I have beer, my dog will have some. <gasps> <laughs> Lifestyle, you know. Lifestyle, okay. <laughs> so that is bad. Alcohol is bad, bad. And probably, Dr. Lee, you yeah, want to Dr. explain oh, no, a little bit of the xylitol issue uh, that, that's commonly, is another common thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, other than all the medication and food that um, you guys have been talking about, things that you have never thought, like hazardous thing like wire, oh, yes. like the electrical cord, mm. and then uh, batteries, Mm, um, small things, right? Yeah. Uh, small, tiny things that they actually ingest. And at the end of the day, you'll probably have to spend thousands of ringgit just to, you know, take, take it out surgically. Not only that, when we take out, the poison might be already there, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. copper poisoning and all that. Because they probably forget that the, the dog has ingested the battery because... You know, they, they do not know. So after months of vomiting, then they will bring to a vet, oh, it's already two months vomiting, you know, on and off. We don't know what happened. And when we take it out, surgically removal is successful, but the dog die of copper poisoning. Right. Mm, so, okay. so those are those going to be very sad. And then uh, your fertilizers, mm, mm-hmm. uh, they likes to go out to your garden. Fertilizers is something. And then uh, cleaning products is not good for them as well. And especially it's sanitizers. We're using sanitizers a lot nowadays uh, with either herbal product or even alcohol-based. Uh, both are quite uh, toxic, toxic to the pet. So I think what I could share here with you guys is uh, one of the app that we use uh, called the ToxiPad 
or even uh, this thing called pet poison app. You guys, like we say, we, we cannot share with you the whole list of Correct. whatever that is poisonous. Uh, this app come into this AI form that you can actually take a photo of the flowers or thing like, mm. things like that. And then it will tell you, hey, it might be this flower. Then what is the toxicity level? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. the green to the red. Okay. So with that, uh, we'll help to, I uh, mean, help the pets owner to decide okay. what kind of plant that they want to bring home. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I'm hearing from the both of you also that pet owners tend to wait a little while before they bring in, you know, even though their pet is, you know, presenting with all of these symptoms and that's not good, like, you notice it, you know, go to the vet like, as soon yes, as possible, correct. right? Yeah. Yes, as soon as possible. Yeah, because yeah. right. you don't, yeah. Okay. Maybe so be- for them, it's because it's not bad enough. Right. The dog is still very active. The cat is still very active, just vomited one, so they thought, oh, it might be fur ball, things like that. Mm. So I would say don't assume, mm. just get them checked if they can. Okay. And just and in addition, like Dr. Lee mentioned, like small things, wire, battery, mm. um, share with you my common cases, they dig in the rubbish bin, so always make sure your trash can is is secured. Durian seed? Yes, durian seed, <laughs> chimpada seed, you know, and I always <laughs> tell the client, <laughs> right, this durian seed costs you 2,000 ringgit. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. That's how we get to that. <laughs> okay, alright. Let's just go for a quick break. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about, you know, uh, getting all those vaccinations, you know, caring for our pet's health, preventive care, right? I'm speaking today to Dr. Lee YY. She's the founder of pet medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic and Dr. Yap Bunkai. He's a veterinarian uh, at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. It's our first episode of My Pet and I and we're talking all about what you need to know when you get a pet, everything that you need to prepare both yourself and your pet for. We'll continue that discussion after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. In the studio with me today, two veterinarians, Dr. Lee Waiwai, the founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic, and Dr. Yap Bunkai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. It's the first episode of our short series called My Pet and I, and we're discussing what you need to know when you get a pet. So before the break, both Dr. Lee and Dr. Yap shared some things. What is some common toxic items? You know, we don't even think about it, right? Flowers, uh, you know, just securing our rubbish bin so they don't get into all of those things. So many things that we need to consider. But now, you know, another thing that I think is very important, you know, preventive care as well, right? So, so, you know, when we get a pet, we don't obviously think about what they're going to get, but we should also prepare ourselves for that, right? So what would you say are some common health problems uh, that my pet may face? Um, Dr. Lee, you want to go first? Maybe let's talk about younger ones when when we first get them. From puppies, like uh, how we talk about getting ready to get a new puppy, another time commitment is what Dr. Yap said, to go to the vet for vaccination. Uh, The frequency will be definitely uh, more than the adult pets. Mm. So you have to vaccinate your pet maybe from six to eight weeks old onwards and then every three or four weeks apart. And then from there, uh, once a year. So what do we cover in the vaccination uh, will be the power virus, the stemper virus, adenovirus, uh, leptospirosis, and then influenza. Mm-hmm. So those are the basic core vaccine that we'll get. Some even come with coronavirus and mm-hmm. different strains of leptospirosis. The common disease in Malaysia we are still looking at due to our weather, the stray population, um, infectious diseases are pretty common. Um, like Dr. Lee mentioned, we have all these uh, vaccines which already will prevent the, the diseases that we mentioned just now. Um, those are the common common diseases that we see. Parvovirus, super, super common. Distemper virus, super, super common um, among the strays and it will transmit to, to our pets as well. Leptospirosis is crucial to be vaccinated because we are hot and humid and the intermediate host for leptospirosis is rat. So we'll give you a layman term like called rat urine disease. Any contact. And human will get it when we go for camping, we drink water that's contaminated. And just share with you, we confirm with PCR a few cases, I think it's about four to five cases during last year, our major flood in oh, Klang Valley. Yes, yes, so yeah. a lot of poor animals and, and human, they stay in the stagnant water, the dirty water, and mm-hmm. 
fatal, fatal. And yeah. confirmed with PCR is, is leptospira in my clinic. So that's why um, there's definitely a lot of serovas there in Malaysia. But for dogs, um, we have a, a strand of vaccine that has covered four types of serova, which is the most common leptospira. So beside the virus, the leptospirosis, and then I'm looking at common disease like parasite as well. It's very, very but common. Just add on top of that, leptospirosis mm. is also zoonotic. That mm. means it comes to humans. So when okay. human gets it, hum, human also would get liver and kidney failure. Yeah. So okay. we so. really need to look into that. And it's so easily preventable. That's the thing, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then we the back thing. to the parasite. Yeah, parasite, yeah. yes. Parasite. Parasite is a main, main, main thing. Okay. So it's a heaven. Malaysia is a heaven for parasite. Any parasitologists would like to come to Malaysia to do researchers <laughs> oh, no. because we have a very good temperature, we have a good humidity, come party. So we have a good source of ticks, fleas, mm. mange, ear mite, all sort of intestinal worm, name it, round worm, hook worm, tape worm, weep worm, everything we have oh, it. Oh goodness, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. how common? Very common. Very common. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so vaccination, la, that's so vaccination, is one. deworming, and as like Dr. Lee said, a lot of my clients, they come in, I say, um, pet shop already done two, shall I do the third? I think the COVID crisis teaches us a very good ground of vaccination is not only the frequency, but the timing is crucial. Mm. Yes. Right. So we need to get the vaccination at least to the age of 16 weeks and mm. above. Yes. Why? Because that is the timing of the maternal, in, uh, maternal immunity interference. Okay. So we need, the timing is very crucial. So listen to your veterinarian. They'll plan for you the deworming, the external parasite, the vaccination plan, and that is very important. That is about the dogs. So for cat as well, we have the common diseases for cat. Um, I will name the big three brothers, which is feline leukemia, feline immunosuppressed virus, and feline infectious peritonitis. These are the three big viruses among cats in Malaysia. Unfortunately, feline immunosuppressed virus and feline infectious peritonitis both doesn't have vaccination. Okay. Right. Okay. And the core vaccination for cats, it includes three types of flu, where is the upper respiratory disease, calici virus, herpes virus, chlamydia, and um, parvovirus. So for cats, core vaccination covers these four types of disease. And non-core, which is uh, not necessary, we can add in a feline leukemia virus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, Everyone gets educated like uh, the dogs, you need to get three vaccines. So three puppies vaccine and then you do it yearly. Mm. So it's very different now uh, in the situation that we have, like what Dr. Yap say, you need to uh, cover it up to 16 weeks because the puppy needs to go out to the owner by six weeks. So six weeks will be the first vaccine that they've done. So six, so four weeks later is 10 and then another four weeks is 14. Mm. So you did not even reach whatever that you're supposed to. So when the vet tell them to get another one done, they'll get very scared and say that, no, no, the pet shop people tell me just to do three. And why you want me to do four? Why is it so? So if it's being explained properly, they would be able to know, understand. Uh, even uh, uh, dogs like Rottweilers and Doberman Pincher, they might need to cover it up to 18 to 20 weeks. Okay. okay. So to prevent them from getting power virus. Okay. All okay. Right. You want to quickly tell us what parvovirus is, you know, because it's it's quite devastating, right? I mean, because mm. the thing is, it's so easily preventable, but yeah. you know, and it happens. It's quite common as yes, well, isn't it? Very common. It's yeah. very common. Parvovirus literally is a, it's a virus where it's very contagious and it is very hardy, where it stays in the environment for long, long time. So it's true contact. So whenever you have a puppy that is not vaccination or a kitten that is not vaccinated, they go out, they contacted with these viruses mm -hmm. or in the pet shop breeding centre or any of this place, From then they will be infected. Has an incubation period, 7 to 14 days, and then it will start affecting their gastrointestinal tract. So it will oh. come with profuse vomit, profuse diarrhea, and it will flatten the entire villi of the small intestine and then need a very high intensity of treatment mm. and it can be fatal. Right. It always comes with bloody, really red bloody diarrhea. It's because it attacked the 
crib of Liverpool, which yeah. actually is the lowest part of the intestine, the villi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually caused bleeding from there. Oh, yeah. devastating! You know, for yeah. you, for the pet, it must be. You know, there must be in so much yeah. agony, isn't yeah. it? Yes. So you talk about devastating. I think I want to take this opportunity to share a little bit about rabies because that is another big, big, big issue, yeah. right? Um, as we know that um, our our fellow Sabah and Sarawak is having a outbreak of rabies, and rabies is not only in animals is a zoonotic disease and it's a fatal zoonotic disease not only in animal and in, in human mainly transmit by dog bite but mind you is any mammals can harbor this virus yes. so any mammals so including our cats our pets uh, bats so they can able to transmit but main mode of disease is still through dog bite so rabies can be prevented by vaccination, yes. right? Okay. So uh, for Sabah and Sarawak, is mandatory. It's in the, the core vaccination and it's a must. And in Peninsula, at this moment, we are non-core. We still cannot, but again, in Peninsula, we cannot declare that we are free from rabies. Still, uh, I would think that we are a little bit lack of uh, research in that part. How about in wild animals? Mm. Yeah. If something can be prevented, if something is good to prevent, and um, it's just a vaccination, it's not really expensive, it's available in most of the veterinarian. So um, I would strongly advise and strongly encourage owners to put their pets on a rabies vaccination. And I would like to take this opportunity as well. Whoever get bitten by a dog, please present yourself to hospital first and let the doctor know that there is a dog bite and shall I need human rabies post-exposed vaccination. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it is a zoonotic disease as and well, right? we will die. Human will die with the rabies virus as well. And it's a very, very fatal disease. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, talking about this, um, first we really also want the public to know that they can they can actually help with reducing stray population. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then yes, yes. second second thing is when you are out in the public, you you need to know that the dog won't chase you if you do not disturb them. Or um, you just mind your own business. Most of the time, uh, they won't want to chase you. It's either the noise or the action that we do that make the dog chase us. If they do, um, you probably have to really calm yourself down to prevent them from biting you. So do not touch any you know, stray dogs or cats if, you, if you're not familiar with them. Okay. Yeah. I just want to touch on that point, right, that you mentioned about uh, spaying and neutering our pets. Because, you know, there are so, so many owners who are very against that, right, against doing that. Um, um, but, you know, what would you say, you know, if, if we don't have any plans to do that or to, to, to breed our pets, right, would you say it's better to spay and neuter them? You know, what, what should we consider when we are making such a decision? Definitely. Uh, a lot of research has been done on this, especially female. I will touch on the female first. Uh, for female dogs and cats, the best thing is to do neuter them before the first heat, mm. which is about five to eight uh, months of age. Uh, research also shows that if you neuter them uh, around this period of time, they will have less than 0.1% chance to get memory gland tumour, okay. which is human breast cancer. So uh, that's the biggest benefit. And second thing is pets that is not neuter, when they are more than five years of age, 50% of them will actually uh, get something called pyometra, which is uterus infection. And with this uterus infection, you cannot do anything but to uh, do an operation to remove the uterus which is also neutering, but in a major scale. Right. So you probably, at that point of time, if your dog is 10 years old, which is very old, you don't have a choice but to do the surgery. If you don't do it, your dog might die of uh, this thing called pyometra, a womb infection. So, And 50% is a lot. That means every two female dogs, one of them will get it That's in crazy. their lifetime. Yeah. So if your dog did not get it, it means you're, 
pretty Very lucky, lucky. But yeah, uh, yeah mm. one out of two. Mm. <laughs> so okay. my my eldest. Um, I mean, oldest dog to have this that we are, we have operated on was seventeen and a half years old. Oh gosh! He has liver, kidney, and heart disease. Mm-hmm. And I told the owner, "No, we're not going to do it." Then he says, "Like, no, dog, we need to fight." Say, so if even if he she die on the table, I'm fine with it. But let's fight. Okay. Yeah. But you do not want to make that kind of decision when your dog is at 17 years old. So do it at seven months old, (laughs) right? And they recover much faster, like human being. Mm -hmm. A a 20-year-old recover much faster than, you know, from an operation than a 70-year-old human does. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Juliet, just now you mentioned that you would like to breed your pets. You want to think twice. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I'm all for spaying and nurturing, but yeah. Because a lot of pet owners, they'll come like, oh, I would like to breed. Oh. Then I would say that, do you know that if let's say midnight, they start delivering and then they are having this Tokyo, you have to rush. And secondly, just now we mentioned before, like the time they consume, the financial. And then do you know that this Tokyo, the, the medical bill, you have to go through surgery and have you planned if your dogs or your cat give birth of five, six puppies, you want to give away? You sure you want to give away? If you want to keep, again, from just now, we talk about the vaccination, the, the health program, the grooming fee, the time that consume, you want to turn your house into an animal shelter? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you sure you want to breed your pets? That's that's number first thing that I'm thinking, and I I am on par with Dr. Lee. That is yes yes to do a neutering. Um, why Malaysia the stray population is uncontrolled, as we know, is a reality. A lot of people they have so called a pet cat or a pet dog that you know just feed on the street and they give birth. So let's throw it to the market lah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, let's throw it Horrible. to the kopitiam lah. Yeah. And, and these are very, very sad. So why don't we just neuter them to ensure that they are not uh, giving birth of all this offspring and they have to scavenge inside garbage, hit by car. It's really, really sad to see all this story. So mm. neutering will really bring down all this stray population. So that's why I always say to publics that wish to do something for the stray population, neuter is the number one. Mm. Try to neuter them so that we can reduce the population. That is the very important thing. And as well, we are looking at behavioural part. Um, Dr. Lee just now already touches part of the health issue. What's the benefit of doing uh, neutering? And for the female, pyometra. And in fact, for male, we can we can uh, reduce a lot of diseases, testicular cancer, prostate problem, which is common, and then um, inguinal hernia, cancers around the anus are common for intact male. So if we say we castrate, we call it a neutering in male, we call it castrate, we castrate the male, and we can reduce all this sort of problem. And again, like just now we touch and say like the lifestyle, the lifestyle of the owner and the pet. Uh, I have client come in with a two panda eye and say, doctor, can you please neuter my cat as soon as possible? Singing throughout <laughs> the night. Throughout the night, I cannot sleep. My neighbor is ringing my doorbell. Please, doctor, serenade. Looking for boyfriend. Sorry, yeah. boyfriends. <laughs> Animals. What else? What can you expect? Yeah. So, right? can can you please, doctor, neuter my cat? So this is to change their behavior because now they are living with us. So we we have to let them adapt to us, and it's not fair. Like they are singing the entire night, looking for boyfriend. You don't allow them to have the behavior, but you allow them to sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so they will be meowing, they'll be howling. So it's not humane as well. And the behavior will change. Another thing is aggression. Mm. Male. When they come to puberty, seem like human, rebellious. So spraying urine, um, aggression. Always the trainer will say, if your male dog is having aggression problem, number one, have you neutered them? So you tone them down by removing part of their testosterone hormone. So that will help a lot as well. 
Okay. Yeah. Just on top of what Dr. Yap has said, there is a program called TNR, TRAP, and neuter and release. So uh, most of the, or all the vets will know that after they do that, if there is a TNR program uh, animal that comes in, after they neuter, they will actually nip their ear. Mm. so that the public would be able to recognize, oh, this dog has been neutered, so they don't have to trap them anymore. Okay. Do look into this. And when we do this TNR program, most of the time, like what Dr. Yap say, yeah, they will take the away the puppy or the dog and move them somewhere else, like to the market, to the kopitiam. They thought, to, you know, they're being humane and put them into the place that have food. But most of the time when you do that, they are territorial. So, Let's say this area, you can cater 50 dogs and you move 10 dogs away mm. and there are 10 vacancy. So there can be other areas dog that comes into your place. So the idea of TNR is to neuter them and then put them into the same place so that they don't reproduce. Uh, so if they do reproduce, so all these puppies will also move to other places if they can't find food exactly. or shelter. So uh, remember this, they will take back their territory if you put them back at the same place. Okay. Yeah. Right. And mm. again, you know, this is important for both males and females, right? Yeah. For cats yes. and dogs as well, yes. right? It's not yes. just, let's not only think right. of like, okay, it's the females that are going to give birth, so we'll work on them. The mm. males can, you know, yeah. impregnate <laughs> so many different uh, number Correct. of, okay. Okay. So, you know, you've spoken about all the pros, of course, of getting your pet spayed and neutered, but, you know, there are, of course, you know, some um, not so great things that come along with it, right? Yes. Uh, would you elaborate? Yes. Yeah. Definitely, there's no surgical procedure that is totally no no contradictive, no, no cons, right? So, and why the neutering is remain controversial is because we still have the cons, the, the disadvantages of doing neutering. So, the number one thing that I'm still thinking is the surgery risk, the general anesthesia that we do during the procedure. Yes, same like I always synonym, like you take a plane, there's no one will will say 100% it won't have any issue with the, the flight. But um, same like surgery, every time you do a general anesthesia, there is a risk there. But as Dr. Lee just now mentioned, when you do it younger age, the recovery is faster. They are stronger. Generally, they are be well, um, more well, well adapted to this condition. And with times, improve. Mm -hmm. So... Um, generally, our entire region of veterinary service, our, our techniques, our technology improves a lot. So by doing a pre-surgery blood test, visit your vet, make appointment, check up your pets first, give you appointment of the surgery date. And then during the surgery, put in an IV drip, have a very good monitoring during the surgery, talk to your surgeon. And all these issues can bring down the risk of surgery a lot. Okay. Right. And this is a procedure that is literally pretty, pretty safe to do if, let's say, you communicate well with your veterinarian and you do the pre-surgical blood workout and all this precaution is pretty safe. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the other thing that we are looking at, your animal after neutering may gain some weight. Mm, all right. Yes, yes. So just... Um, there is some commercial diet that will look into specifically for neutered animals so that they have a, a, a control calorie and then you excise your animal. Please weigh your animal from time to time. Um, that will definitely help. All right. Yeah. So, you know, just going back to everything. So it is very important, number one, of course, that we vaccinate our pets. Uh, there are schedules, isn't it? I mean, you go to any vet, they will give you that schedule and they will advise you Correct. straight away, right? Correct. Yeah? Correct. Okay, excellent. And, yeah. you know, like... <laughs> Very scary, you know, we are parasite uh, haven, aren't we? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just keeping our area safe as well, you know, to prevent parasites such as fleas and ticks, you know, any advice that you would like to give our listeners? Um, let's start with cats because, you know, many of us have cats um, and most of them, they just treat on the cat itself. But as you all know, um, fleas uh, that is on cat, they have a life cycle that, they sucks on the blood from your pet. They actually drop down on your floor or your bed sheets or your carpets or anywhere. And then they start breeding, you know, have eggs, pupa. And then after that, they go on to the to the uh, pet's body again. And then the cycle just keep going. Vicious, isn't yeah, it? Vicious. Yeah, vicious. So if you only treat your pet, uh, following your vet instruction, not cleaning out your environment, you will only do probably 30% of your job. Mm. 
So breaking the cycle is it needs to be done. And then cleaning your environment, like vacuuming your um, carpets, your sofa, change your bed sheets, uh, wash them uh, with, you know, maybe hot water with some detergent would be useful. Mm-hmm. So breaking breaking the life cycle, meaning you put your um, uh, ticks of fleece prevention on time, as in if the manufacturer says four weeks, then you put it every four weeks. Okay. So this is what you need to do. You don't you don't do it as it is called. It is called a prevention. So you're not only doing it while you know your pet has the infestation, but you have to keep doing it because the eggs can stay in the environment, not dying for more than a year. Okay. okay. So yeah. yeah. So right. and yeah. So I'm looking at year 2023. So we are in a fortunate one because um, for the past. Many, many years, we'll have a lot of older uh, medication, older drugs to use to control flea sticks and parasites. And with times, these parasites, they're smart. With generation, they'll create something called resistance. I know you, you are not useful to me. So now we are in a very good era where we have a new synthetic group. It's called isozazoline group, where these isozazoline groups, they are very effective at the moment. And Till time, there's no any publication that publicizes mm. that any ticks, fleas, or any parasite are resistant to this group. Mm. So, and okay. it's very effective okay. at this moment. So, you as long as you just follow, and there's many many product of of this group nowadays. And definitely, I'm not saying the the conventional are not good. Definitely, it. Any product you choose is based on um, your preference, your budget, and it comes with many forms. Uh, some with a collar form, some with a spot on, some with an oral monthly form. So any form is good. You have to take the, the initiative to do that. And as like Dr. Lee said, when you found ticks or fleas on your pets, it's not one-time treatment. Think about the environment. So you have to be persistently, consistently, just follow the product monthly. Um, flea egg can survive in the environment for months. So you need to continue the product, the, the usage of the product. Ticks eggs can survive for, for six months in the environment. So the, the, the treatment is not like I just put a one spot on one month and then it will sort out. And mind you, ticks and flea, they are living. Mm-hmm. So they'll look for food. So how about... When there is a stray dog pass in front of your house, then they shed the fleas, they shed the ticks, or you have a neighbour that don't want to take care of their dogs. Mm -hmm. And then they will cross over to your fence and into your house to look for new food. So that's why sometimes in Malaysia, most of the time we are looking at um, our flea, ticks, parasite prevention have to be lifelong. And I think most of the customer, not because of financial issue and all that, that they do not want to put this uh, parasite control on their pet because they have all this uh, wrong information or or certain um, hoo-ha online that uh, is saying that these products are not safe and then they they really think that they shouldn't follow or they shouldn't use this. They should use herbal or anything that is, you know, less... uh, problem to their pets. But if you're really looking at all these approved products that being used by veterinarian, most of them are those cases that being seen is less than one, two percent of the whole entire uh, market that is being sold. So the chances of uh, it causing problem, it's really very little. I won't say no, like us, like human, human can be allergy to paracetamol, mm, right? Yes, yes. So many human are. So with allergy possible. So whenever you use it, you use it once and then keep very close monitoring for that few days to a week. If everything is okay, no diarrhea, no vomiting, no no. Uh, Outbreaks? Uh, outbreaks of skin or uh, allergy, mm-hmm. then you can use the second time. Mm, okay. And then if you if you do have any of those allergy reactions, wash it off, goes back to your vet and then, you know, ask for help. And then from there, they will actually, you know, do something to help your pet and then also report to the main supplier, whoever that sold the product so that they will know that, okay, this particular uh, dog, or it, it will be another statistic adding into their, their, their database. Okay. So that's why I will always think that the beauty of uh, science is um, 
to give us data, to give us prediction. There's nothing absolute in this world. So there's nothing absolute good, 100%. It's there any medication? They will have certain allergies. They will have um, any anything. They will have certain of the cons. So, the beauty of the science is we know that this medication or this ticks prevention we are using. What are the symptoms that may cause? What how common and how the veterinarian we can react? What is the sign of the poison? How I want to counter the poison rather than a lot of time when owner they are using a not no so-called herbal a pesticide or any medication come in, then we don't know what is the composition. Correct. How you want to counteract with all of this thing. But if, let's say, you are using a licensed, approved medication, we have leaflet, we have database, and we have suppliers. We They have a very strong technical team to tell us what is it happening and totally agree with Dr. Lee so that we can tell the supplier that this is something that is happening. As just now, I mentioned the about the over-generation of the parasite resistancy mm-hmm. so that we, we know that certain medication may creating a lot of resistancy. So in certain case, we'll avoid of that. Okay. So that, that mm-hmm. is the beauty of using um, scientific proven medication to treat or as a prevention medication for your pets. That's right. It's yeah. rigor- rigorously tested, isn't it? This yeah. is not just, you know, like some black market thing. Yes, that, you know, right? yes, These are things yes. that have been tested, you know, proven. Yes. And of course, like you said, like gather data from that and then we, we yes. work from there, of course, right? And KKM approved. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. One more quick break and let's come back and, you know, just have some of your concluding thoughts. I'm speaking today to Dr. Lee YY, founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian with Lee Vet Clinic and Dr. Yap Bunkaya, veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. We're talking about what you need to know when you get a pet, all the one-on-ones that you have to have the knowledge of if you really want to have a healthy, happy pet. We'll continue that discussion after one more quick break. Keep it right here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Dr. Lee YY, founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic and Dr. Yap Bunkai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. We're talking about all you need to know when you get a pet. It's a series called My Pet and I. Uh, so we're tackling that today. So, you know, before the two breaks, we spoke about, you know, how we prepare our house for our pets. And then, of course, you know, we spoke about, you know, the things that we need to do, uh, important vaccinations, you know, the schedule, uh, you know, just speak to your veterinarians that you've got it all down pat, you know, everything is already there. So just speak to them. But, you know, let's say we've we've done all of that. Are there signs of illnesses uh, that I should watch out for in my new pet? Uh, and when should I seek veterinary care? Right. So in your new pet, what you need to do is to see what is normal. You have to know what is normal to know what is abnormal. So when they come in and stay with you, you have to see their toilet uh, frequencies and then whether they're eating. Appetite is one of the um, easiest way to catch. But the sad part is in some very greedy animal, appetite is the last thing that they lost. (laughs) So, yeah. So you need to really know that if your dog is greedy, if they're just feeling a little bit more lethargic, uh, if they are coughing, uh, all of this can be the sign of illness. Vomiting and diarrhea is most of the time very obvious, mm. so the owner won't really miss. Uh, most of the time the owner miss is that the dog being a little bit more lethargic. Okay. So they sleep a bit more, they go a bit more often to the toilet, uh, you know, for pee. Uh, those are also signs and symptoms. Mm. Coughing, you rarely see cats uh, cough especially. So if you do see your cat coughing, something is very wrong, you need to bring them to a vet. So just bring them to the vet promptly to have a check. I would say it's also good for some of the pet owner to learn what is normal, like how how the gum should look, how the colour of the eye and mucous membrane should look, what is the breeding uh, rate of your, of your pets. Uh, if you know what is normal, then you know what is abnormal. Correct. So right. be very in tune with your pet as well, yes, right? Yes, definitely. And then looking at the body language, sometimes when they have abdominal pain, they'll arch their back. Mm, they, yes. If let's say they have joint problem, especially big 
dogs. Um, German Shepherd, Rottweiler, Golden Retriever, they, they have developed joint problem. And then when they run, how they run, swaying back, bunny hopping, um, how they sit. Why my dog sitting in this kind of mm. odd position? Mm. Those all are the telltale sign that um, your dog is not doing well with the joint. So mm. like just now, Dr. Lee said, I always tell my client, how about the abu? A-B-U, abu. Appetite, bowel, urine. Mm. So the appetite includes uh, the, the food intake, increase, decrease, water in- intake, increase, decrease. Mm. The bowel soft, hard, watery. The urine output, increase of urine output is not normal. No urine output is urgent, emergency. Mm. Right? Okay. And the colour yeah. of the urine as well, if you can yeah. you know, observe the colour of the urine. Uh, it, it is very true that pets has very good Um, way of hiding their diseases and symptoms because as an animal, they do not want people to know that they are not well because in the wild, if they are not well, they will be attacked and, you know, taken away. So it it kind of domestic, we kind of domesticated them, but they still do show that sign. So unless, so we want poor parents to pay more attention Okay. To yeah. them. Yeah. Check the eye daily, any eye discharge, um, ear common, ear mite, as I say, parasite heaven. So a lot of cats with ear mites, a lot of dogs with ear mites. So check the eye, check the ear, check the anus, the, the genital. Is there any discharge? Normally diarrhea, they'll stain, they'll have some discharge from the anus. Mm. And, and these are all important signs. Just now we have touched, like Dr. Lee said, pyometra, vagina discharge. Mm. So those are those important telltale sign. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just be in tune with your pets. And so I just want to say, you know, I'm a pet owner myself, right? And this is something I discovered. I was very good with the vaccinations. I was very good with the flea prevention. But this was one thing that I always uh, got wrong. And that was, you know, caring for their heart, you know, heartworm. That's a huge issue in Malaysia. Am I right? Yes. Mm. Heartworm. Heartworm is another parasite. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, a parasite party in Malaysia. Correct. So these worms are called diarophilaria imitis. It's um, not in primates, but it's in dogs, it's, it's in cats. The intermediate host that transmit this disease is mosquito. Uh, who can prevent mosquito bite in Malaysia? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Even if you are on the you know tenth and fifteenth floor, you still get still mosquito. Yes. yes. So that's why heartworm is so common, and we have big population of stray animals. So they'll be the reservoir, and the, the intermediate host is the little mosquitoes mm. that bite your dogs or bite your cats, and then they'll bring um, this microflora into the blood and it will develop into worms. And this worm can be, for dogs, right, the heartworm condition, the adult worm can grow until 15 to 18 centimetres long and literally Gosh. block inside the heart. Mm-hmm. So causing a congestive heart failure. So The best thing is you won't have any symptom until the heart fail. Meaning the worms can be there for years and you mm-hmm. don't know it until the heart fail and then your dog starts coughing. Yeah. Oh so you, you definitely, it's a poor parent responsibility to get their uh, pets checked whether, you know, they are on it or, you know, they have lapsed it in a few months or so, mm-hmm. do check it first and then put them back on prevention. Okay. And treating heartworm, it's crazy. Treating heartworm, it's not only very costly, it's also very tedious. Time and expenses is, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and like Dr. Lee said, once you just imagine our heart is a delicate organ inside with all the heart valve, with all these worms stays inside for years, so you can imagine how damaging they are to the heart valves. So even with treatments, they will have side effects to the heart mm. and some of them will migrate to the lung and then cause some fibrosis inside the lung so this will be a permanent damage as Dr. Lee said treatment is no fun mm. so prevention is so easy mm. there's so many products on market now that uh, has uh, heartworm preventive measurement inside either a spot on a monthly oral tablet and it's easy. It's just one of my, and, and even there is injection. Mm-hmm. Even there is injection. injection. I would like to talk about a little bit about heartworm about cats because yes. it's a lot of cats owner they didn't realize that cats has this heartworm issue as well. Yes. Um, most of the time, heartworm for cats is uh, they the cats will not 
go into a large volume of worms that lock inside the heart. Most of the time, the heartworm disease is when during the migration of the microfilaria into the heart at the time, they already created a very big issue inside the lung. Yes. So they will show a lot of symptoms, coughing, yes. um, respiratory distress, sign of asthma, mm. and they mostly they will die. Mostly they will die. Even before you find out there is a heartworm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so and it's not easy to find out there's a heartworm uh, infestation in the cat because the, the worm is not yet turned into adult. So by a blood test, we're checking ELISA test kit mm. to check the, the, the adult worm's home, uh, enzyme in the bloodstream. We can't find. So that we might think that this cat is an asthmatic cat because having such a big reaction of the respiratory tract. And uh, if you continuously, because uh, from baby worm to adult worm, it takes about six months. So if you start prevention, you know, to your puppy and kittens before six months old, so by four to five months, we'll start it usually, you do not need to do additional blood tests on it. So for example, in between, you lapse off three to six months and the veterinarian will ask you to have to retest the blood before we do it. So meaning is another poke to your pet. Yeah. So if you can, start it earlier and then just continue doing the prevention. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. the cat prevention, I think most of the cat owner will know that how difficult for you to peel a cat. So there is <laughs> yes. there is um, a lot of uh, different different va variety of choices of spot-on products uh, on market now. Uh, can just do a once-a-month spot-on is relatively easy. Um, it's not that costly. So to be a responsible owner, I would say regardless is dog or cat, please put on a heart wound prevention. Yeah. I would let you know how... Um, how rampant it is. We went to, a few years ago before MCO, we actually went to a shelter. Uh, we tested 200 dogs at one go and 90 of them actually positive for heartworm. Oh no. And yeah. again, you won't see the signs until it's no, too late. No, no sign right? at all. That's the yeah. problem. So okay. that's how frequent, you know, uh, that your pets can get heartworm disease. Okay. Yes. Again, prevention. We must prevention, prevent it. Yes. So just, you know, speak to your vet and just, you know, get that whole list, that whole schedule of what we can do to exactly. prevent these common. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time, doctors, but you know, any any last message, any concluding message perhaps that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, Dr. Lee, would you like to go first? Sure. All that we say, it's definitely prevention better than cure. So owner has to take the responsibility because you're not just an owner now, you're the poor parent. Mm. So you need to look into every detail of this to make sure uh, your pets are healthy and happy. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Dr. And then... Um, just now we mentioned a lot of diseases, a lot of parasites, a lot of viruses. Uh, my idea is not to scare everyone like, <laughs> oh, there's so many diseases. Let's no, 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 take uh, no, take any pets. Not uh, our, our vision and our purpose today is, is to hope that we introduce uh, you. What are the common things that is happening in Malaysia? So as a pet parents, what responsibility you can take so that you can do better for your pets and you won't regret that you miss those small things out and can be fatal to your pets. Mm -hmm. So that's my idea. Don't, don't be scared off with whatever we said just yeah, now. Yeah. It's all preventable. Right. Okay. All right. And you know, for me, our pets give us so much, right? And this is just a small thing that we have to do yes. just to make yes. sure. And you know, the, the repayment, quote unquote, you know, you cannot measure that, like the love that right. they give you. So yes. Okay. Small part for us to do. Dr. Lee, Dr. Yap, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right. I was speaking to Dr. Lee Yy, founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic and Dr. Yap Bunkaya, veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. They were filling us in on all we need to know when we get a pet. It is the first episode of our short series called My Pet and I. If you're interested to look for some protection for your pets, NextGuard Combo is an all-in-one spot-on application that can protect cats from internal and external parasites. You can get it at your nearest veterinary clinic and you can also find out more at nextguard.my. This show was brought to you by Boringer Ingelheim, Malaysia. And if you miss any part of it, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my learn. And you can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.